tune to the song that I knew. I know the song, but it was a different, uh, that's wonderful, a different hymns, how we get that. So, yeah, I love Jerry's um, sharing of uh, being the greatest of all time or of um, doing the best that we can do at everything that we do. And uh, we're going to be in John 20, if you want to turn there. And, oh, Children's Church, too. We always forget that. The and they're probably leaving without you, but... Yeah. yeah, they don't. They'll all follow down there. But we're talking about telling our friends about Jesus. We're talking about evangelism. And really the burden that we should have in our life for this. And we ended last week talking about how in Revelations it says we have forgotten our first love. And that really when we are in love with something or someone... It sort of consumes who we are. And so we need to remember that first love. We need to count our blessings, as we said, that beautiful song, count our blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. And when we do that, we find ourselves thanking God continually. And when we think about God continually, and we're thinking about the blessings, we are incorporating Him into our life, even in the, the struggles that we may have. When others come in contact with us, it's just natural that we are sharing what God is doing in our life. So if, if you only do a God thing on Sunday or Saturday night, uh, during the week, really when you come in contact with people, the, the thoughts or the, the instinct of just sharing God isn't going to be there. But when we start our days with him, when we are praising him through the days, when we are thanking him for whatever he is doing in our life, when people come in contact with us, it's just natural to say, you know, God has just blessed me today. Look at this beautiful day that God has given us. And so we share those things in our life. And, and so we, we really train our mind to have our mind stayed upon God and what he is doing in our life. And so we talked about evangelism. The stakes are high, right? All eternity uh, rests with this. And so we want to make sure that we're getting it right. Right? I mean, when, when, if we really believe it, if we really believe that, that Jesus is the only way, um, we know that all eternity is in the balance. And so those that we come in contact with, we know that it's either heaven or hell. It's either one or the other. And it, when it's that important, when we, when we really think about it that way, the urgency in our, in our life is raised to make sure that we share that gospel message with people around us, share those things that that God is doing in our life. So a lot of times we like to talk about heaven. Heaven's a wonderful place, right? We like to talk about heaven. We like to talk about the glories of it, uh, but we don't like to use that other H word too much, do we? Sort of politically incorrect sometimes, and so we don't like to talk about hell much. But you know that Jesus spoke about hell way more than he talked about heaven in the scriptures because he knew what heaven held, but he knew the consequences of, of hell for those that didn't accept him. And so the warnings are great, and there's a reality of hell that we need to, you know, really recognize and not be afraid to talk about. So we talked about Jesus has called us to be light in the world, and so if we're light in the world, we don't have to fear darkness, but we want to share what darkness holds. We want to share with people that if you're not right with Jesus, that there is a consequence. It's not that God sends you there, but it is that you have chosen not to accept this gift of grace that he has offered to us. And so 
we want to share with people how to be saved. We want to share with them that they need to put their trust in God. It's not by works. It's not the things that you do, but it's this believing faith. It's by grace we are saved through faith, not of works, because then we could, we could brag about it. We could boast about it. There was an old Baptist preacher named Vance Havner, and he, he had written uh, in one of his articles, it says, it's been a long time since I've heard people speak of an unsaved boy or girl being eternally lost. We don't talk about people being lost or separated from Christ. We just say, well, they're not right with him. It sort of sounds a little bit more palatable, or they're just not walking with him right now. The Bible tells us we are either saved or we are lost. We either know Jesus personally, and that's not knowing of him. A lot of the people in this world know of Jesus, but you either know him as your personal Lord and Savior, or you don't. And we need to share that with people because we look at people and we see people that are prospering and we think, oh, you know, life is good for them. But guess what? If people do not know Jesus, they're lost. They're in a bad way. See, the world has these things that we say, oh, we're in a good spot. We're out of debt. We have this. We have that. And, and we tend to talk about all the, the toys and things that we have when the most important question is, is do you have Jesus Christ in your heart? Amen. Is the Holy Spirit alive and active in your life? Is your desire to follow Him in what He has commanded us to do? The Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. That's us. That's me. Jesus came to find those that were lost. He died for me, he died for you. He died for that neighbor, that friend that does not know him. He came and he gave his life for the Pharisees, for the hypocrites. He gave his life for all or whoever would believe. Maybe we have troubles witnessing with people because it does matter that much. Sort of sounds backwards, but maybe, maybe there's a fear in us that's sort of afraid that we're going to get it wrong, that we're not going to share it quite right. But the Bible tells us that that's not really our worry or our burden. If you are born again, if you are sitting here today and you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's not safer to sit and be quiet about these things. Because if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you have the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you know that the Holy Spirit is alive and well in your life? Because if He is, it says, My Spirit testifies with His Spirit. It tells me that, that the Lord is going to give me the words to speak through His Holy Spirit. If you're feeling overwhelmed by the task of, of sharing the gospel and the truth with others, maybe you're just putting too much dependence upon yourself and not enough upon the Holy Spirit. It's hard to speak truth into people's life. Right. It's hard to tell them that their ways are not the ways of God, that, that what they are doing in their life is not correct and right. It, it's, it's a hard thing. And Jesus, even though, as he, we're going to find out in a minute, as he's talking with his disciples, my peace I give you, those that are not walking according to God's word don't have that peace in, our, in their life. And when they don't have that peace in their life, then there's defense that comes up. And as we share that and we say, you need to know the peace of Christ in your life. You need to know him as your Lord and Savior. You need to follow in his footsteps. 
Sometimes that causes division. Sometimes that causes some animosity. But God has told us that his word will not return void. Jesus didn't ask us to do the job on our own. In John 20, 22, it says this, As the Father has sent me, he says, I am sending you. He is sending us into some difficult situations. We talk about our, our servicemen. They're called to serve and they're called to go into some difficult places. Places maybe that they would rather not be to do things they would probably rather not do. But they're serving. God calls us as his children, as his believers, as his army to go to people sometimes that we don't want to go to. To share things maybe sometimes is difficult. And to go places maybe sometimes we don't want to go. Then Jesus bent over and he told them, receive the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the key to the believer's power. If you're struggling with sin in your life and you just say, man, it's just wearing me out, I just keep giving in. It's, it's not God that's failing, it's because we're doing it in our flesh, we are doing it of our own accord and not depending upon the Holy Spirit. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives and breathes in you. I want you to think about that. Religion isn't something in a book. Religion isn't something that comes when we die. It's not something that's far off. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, but when I leave, I will send you the Holy Spirit that he may live in you. That he's going to convict us and he's going to comfort us. That he's alive and well in us. And so the Holy Spirit lives and breathes in us. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us pray for ourselves and for others and for the lost. When we don't know what to say or, or know how to pray, it says that the Holy Spirit can intercede in our life to give us the words that we need to know. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the words to say when the time is right. And I'll tell you, you know, some people just say, you know, the time is always right. Well, I don't know if it always is. But I know that God will prompt me to say the things I need to say in the time that he wants to. We pray and seek the Lord, you know, because I can, I can come and prepare a sermon all in my own head, in my own mind, and say, this is what I want to say. This is what I want to get across today. This is what I want to do. Or I can depend upon the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, what is it that I need to share with the body? Because my prayer is always, if it's of me, I hope you forget it. But if it's of God, I hope it sticks with you. Because then the battle isn't with me. The battle is with God when we share his scripture. So he gives us the words to say when the time is right. And we have the promise that his word will not return void. Right. It's the Holy Spirit that also helps us live the life that he has called us to live. That really backs up our witness. You know, there's that saying, you call yourself a Christian. If you're brought into a court of law, is there enough evidence to support that? See? A lot of this world calls themselves Christians, but their life is so contrary to the word of God. We watch the news and, and, and even in our communities and, and we just can see that. And, and even in our own lives, because I want to say we're frail. There's none of us that are righteous in ourselves. We are going to fail. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to choose things we shouldn't from time to time. But where is your heart? 
Is thy heart right with God is a song that we sing. And, and when we know and we see these things as we came to the Lord's table there, we know don't belong there. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Or God is prompting us to get our lives where it needs to be. Is our answer, yes, Lord? Or is it, I'm not ready? Is it, I'll do it when I want to? Because we have come to serve our Lord. The Holy Spirit, this is, I think, the best thing, is going to work in the hearts of those that we share with in his own way, in his own time. God tells us what? Speak the word. And that word takes root. That word is going to do something in that person's life. It, it may be a conviction. It may be a challenge. It may be a comfort. Whatever it is that we're speaking, we know that the word of God through the Holy Spirit is going to work in the person that we are talking to. may not always be the way that we think it should or in the time frame that we think it should, but I always say the word of God is like this healing agent that eats away at the cancer of sin in our life. Cancer is a disease. The word disease comes from dis-ease. It means that, that we're not comfortable. We know these things and our life don't belong there. And it makes us uneasy in the presence of a righteous and holy God. We can't look upon God. Some of us have troubles even entering into prayer because we know that we are rebelling against God and what he has to say. And so in John chapter 20, all of the apostles except one, as we're going to read through the scriptures here today, were, were right with God. They had seen God, right? They believed in the, in the resurrection. But it says this in 24 through 25. Now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples came and told him, we have seen the Lord. When the men had told Thomas of this good news, they didn't get the, the uh, reaction that they thought they would, right? Sometimes I think when I go tell people about Jesus, you know what Jesus can do? Jesus can help you out of this situation. Just put your trust in Jesus. And, and a lot of times I expect him to say, yes, I've been searching and I need that. Yes, let's pray right now. And, and, and I want to make my heart right. A lot of times that doesn't help it. They don't want to hear it. What did Thomas say? Thomas didn't want to hear it. I can't believe unless I see it myself. He said, I, I just can't believe it. We, we give Thomas a lot of fault for that, right? Oh, doubting Thomas. What if somebody came and told you, hey, you know that, that guy that we saw die a few days ago? I just met him on the road. Yeah. What do we say? Oh, hallelujah. See, that guy's crazy. <laughs> Thomas was, had his doubts probably for a good reason. Common sense, right? I'm so glad that God works beyond common sense in our life. Amen. He works through his Holy Spirit. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. This time, Thomas was there with them. And who makes that grand entrance through that locked door? Jesus. Jesus comes in. First words, peace be with you. See, God's desire for the believers to have peace, not dis-ease in our life. That peace that surpasses all understanding comes when we have that healthy relationship with God. He goes up to Thomas directly. He says, put your finger here. See my hands? 
Put your finger here. I want you to believe. Take your hand. Put it in my side. Really what Jesus was saying, I want you to believe. Jesus is here telling each of us, no matter what our struggle is, no matter what it is that that we face in life, that he wants us to believe. That he wants us to believe that any situation that we are in, whether we generate it ourselves or if it's just something of life, is better when Jesus is with us. He wants us to know that he is with us, he will not leave us or forsake us, that he wants us to believe in him. Have you casted all your cares upon him? Have you, have you trusted in him? What was Thomas's response? My Lord, my God. He had experienced Jesus. There's a lot of people that call themselves Christians who I don't think have really experienced Jesus. They have a head knowledge. They have a working knowledge. They, they see something that's going on and they want to be a part of it, but they don't want to do it God's way. But Thomas says, my Lord, my God. So what does this have to do with evangelism and what we're going to do? Well, look at the chronology that was sure to shared here. The disciples shared with Thomas, right? But their friend wasn't ready yet. But they still shared. I want to encourage you when you know people that need to hear God's word, that you still share it. And even if we don't get the response from it, we are doing what it is that God has called us to do. We are sharing it. Secondly, we see then that Jesus revealed himself directly to their friend. Sort of takes me out of the equation, right? All I need to say is, hey, I want to introduce you to someone. Here's my friend Jesus. And then I can step out of the way. God revealed himself to their friend. Same way that he did to them just a week earlier. He revealed himself. God reveals himself to us in the most spectacular ways, in the most unique ways, and in the most different ways. God doesn't do the same for all of us in the same manner. God is going to meet us where we are at. And it's at that point where Thomas believed. So what do we do? We introduce people to Jesus. We share the gospel message. And then we let God do his work. We let the Holy Spirit do its work. We let the word of God do its work in that person's life. And when Jesus is ready, he reveals himself. And that's where your friend or your family member or whoever needs to make their decision and to follow or to believe. This really shows us the spirit, uh, a picture of what the Holy Spirit does after we have shared that gospel message, after we have witnessed to a friend. Don't just think because I stopped talking that the Holy Spirit is is done. No, the Holy Spirit lingers. The Holy Spirit penetrates as the word of God does. What does it say? It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It gets into people's lives. It gets into people's heads. It gets into people's psyches. I remember before I would say people would share scriptures would be, I didn't want to hear the scriptures because I just loved the world. I just wanted to be in the world. But they would say these things and they would ring in my head. And it was like I couldn't shake it. Get out of there. No, it's there. They said it. And God's word is like that. It gets into us. When the time is right, Jesus will reveal himself 
to your friend, to your family member, to whoever needs to hear it. I don't know if you've ever known the joy of, of, of leading someone to Christ. I don't even know the words to say. We used to talk about bringing them to Christ or whatever. Just even seeing somebody come to Christ. The joy that it is to see a family member that, that steps out in faith and, and now believes in Christ. It's a great thing. I think it's a blessing that, that every believer should have in their life because it, it really is just a joy knowing that an eternal purpose is fulfilled. You know, Billy Graham said this, because sometimes we get, we get down on ourselves, but he said this, he, he said uh, in one of his sermons, uh, it takes 40 people to lead someone to Christ. The first person thinks he did nothing, and the last one thinks he did it all. <laughs> so we're all in between there somewhere, right? We just do our part. Do your part. That's evangelism. And I'm, and I'm charging you and I'm, I'm challenging you. Do your part. Just, just share whatever it is that God would lay on your heart with those people that are around you. And, and if you're number one or if you're number 40 or if you're somewhere in between, it doesn't matter because we are on the same team. Right? Amen. We had the devotion about the greatest of all time, quarterback, right? If he didn't have a good team around him, it would have never worked. This church isn't great because of a pastor, because of an elder, because of a, uh, this or that or the other thing. This church is great because of what Jesus Christ is doing in its body of believers. I was joyed today. I mean, I, we seen the people flowing in, and it was just, and I'm up here listening to the singing that's coming up from behind. And it's like my, my heart just is raised. It's good to be a part of something when we know God is in the midst of it. And to God be the glory, and to him alone, for what he is doing in the lives of our people here, in the lives of this body of believers. Dr. J. Wilburn Chapman stated that the New Testament tells of 40 different people who were healed by Jesus, about. And it says out of this, 34 were brought to Jesus by friends. Isn't that amazing? 34 out of the 40 were brought to Jesus by friends. Only 6 out of these 40 came without any help from a friend. What does that tell us? You need to ask. You need to tell somebody about Jesus. You need to invite them. Most people say, well, I didn't come. Nobody ever invited me to come. Nobody ever asked me. The power of what we can do with the Holy Spirit. It's true in the first century. It's still true today. Really, most people come to Jesus, that come to Jesus will be brought by a friend. Yes. They know that you care about them. Care enough to ask, care enough to share. Maybe they don't always want to hear what you say, but they know that you care about them. And we make that clear when we share. Yeah, I'm not trying to judge, I'm not trying to be mean or cruel. I just love you enough that I want you to spend all eternity where I'm going to spend eternity with my Lord and Savior. There's a story about the day that Jesus returned home from heaven, and I like this, it's just a story, nothing biblical in it. But he met Gabriel, and Gabriel asked, asked Jesus to explain what had happened down on earth. And so he asked, 
Did they make you a king, Jesus? Jesus said, no. Did they make you a prince? No. Did they worship you? Most of them didn't. Well, then what happened? Well, they crucified me. But after you rose from the dead, everyone worshipped you then, right? No. So what is your plan? I left my people down there. Gabriel looked sort of with confusion and said, but if they fail, what's your other plan? Jesus says, I have no other plan. We are plan A. Do you got a burden for your neighbor? Do you got a burden for the lost in your life, your co-workers? We are God's plan A. Maybe you're here this morning because a friend invited you. I'm glad that you are here. If the Spirit is speaking to your heart today about something, this is your chance to respond to God's call. Let us follow him. Let's pray.